built around the concept that you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, remember, you were born to win. But in order to be the winner you were born to be, you got to plan to win, you got to prepare to win, and then and only then can you legitimately expect to win. You see, with integrity, you do the right thing. When you do the right thing, there's no guilt. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. See, folks, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziggler, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer desperately. Today, folks, we have a special guest on the show, Bob Teedy. Tom Ziegler insisted he be on the show and told me Bob is a mentor of his and a leadership coach, longtime leadership coach for Campus Crusade for Christ. So we're going to learn a little bit about why he is, uh, Tom cites him as a mentor here in just a moment. But let me tell you about Bob. He's got a book, which we're going to discuss today, titled Great Leaders Ask Questions a Fortune 100 list. I'm going to let you know where you can get the ebook immediately and free. But folks, I was intrigued right off the bat with this focus as I found that asking the right questions has absolutely served me in business and life more than having all the right answers. And I'll talk, uh, hit on that more as we get into this with Bob as well. But to tell you about Bob real quick, he serves on the U.S. leadership development team for Campus Crusade for Christ, where he's been on staff for 44 years, developing the next generation of leaders. He's the author of this book, Great Leaders Ask Questions, a Fortune 100 list, and a blogger, the popular leadingwithquestions.com blog, which is read by leaders from over 170 nations. Bob's also spent 24 years as the director of Josh McDowell Ministries. He's proudly married with four children and six grandchildren as well. So I have Bob and Tom Ziegler in the wings here. They're actually sitting together in Tom's office down at Ziegler headquarters in, uh, in, in Plano, Texas. But uh, I'm going to give you some content right now to set the stage here. And folks, this is, I haven't read anything in a long time that has resonated so strongly. So Bob leads the book off with this quote, it says, leadership is not as much about knowing the right answers as it is about knowing the right questions. So then I'm going to read literally off of pages four and five in the intro to Bob's book, which again, you can get uh, absolutely free, get the download. So this is going to hook you and set the stage for the rest of this interview and show. This is where, where it reads. It says, my favorite question. What do you think? If you were in a rowboat with your team, how many of them would you want to have row? Might your answer be all three of them? How happy would you be if you ended up being the only one rowing? Probably not so much. Why then would you want to tackle the challenges, opportunities, problems, and changes needed in your company by telling your staff what they should do? Why would you not want to get all their oars in the water by asking them, what do you think? This one simple step has a potential to notably increase your leadership effectiveness. How do you feel when your boss, colleague, or friends ask you, what do you think about this challenge or opportunity? Do you feel valued, esteemed, respected, appreciated? How might those you supervise, your colleagues, or your friends feel when you ask them, what do you think about this challenge, opportunity, or issue? Maybe you are like many folks I meet who share that they would love to learn to lead with questions. 
but are not sure they have time to learn this new skill. I share with them that I can teach them how to do so in less than 30 seconds. All they have to do is memorize these four questions. Number one, what do you think? Number two, what else? Number three, what else? Number four, what else? Can you now close your eyes and repeat back those four questions? Congratulations. You are now on your way to leading with questions in less than 30 seconds. You will find that sometimes the greatest thoughts will come from the third time you ask, what else? When others feel your appreciation for their responses, they begin to feel safe to share their very best thoughts and you will be the beneficiary. Okay, folks. So that was reading right from the intro to the books. And and folks, this is not going to be just a paradigm shifting show, but a new strategy you can implement a new power tool for your success toolbox in essence. And I want to just dive in now with Bob. Hey, if you didn't catch this new Ziggler show supporter, you got to check it out. All your favorite magazines available on your mobile device at your fingertips with texture.com. I still can't quite get over this. I have some magazines I love that I have not gotten for years and others, a couple others that I do get, but I feel bad when I get the great resources and content, but am done in 15 minutes and chuck an entire branch of a tree into the fire or the trash can. It feels so archaic and wasteful. Texture.com has solved this and now I'll be voraciously reading all my favorite magazines anytime, anywhere. Texture was founded by the five biggest magazine publishers, and for less than the price of three magazines at the grocery store, you can get all your favorite magazines on your mobile device. So I'll be consuming Fast Company and Runner's World and Outside Magazine and more. And as a writer, I'll be wearing out the killer search feature where I can search and curate different topics. Uh, The best part, Texture is offering you, Ziggler listeners, a free trial right now when you go to Texture, T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash Ziggler, Z-I-G-L-A-R. Think about that. You'll gain unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the new ones on newsstands today. Go to texture.com slash Ziggler now and get your free trial. So now, folks, I want to introduce you personally to Bob, and I'm going to start by asking Tom, as these gentlemen are sitting side by side, Tom, you cite Bob as a mentor. Tell us why. Absolutely. Uh, it's great to have Bob in my office right now, so I can tell him to his, his uh, Bob and I met a ago at a mutual friend, Bob Odine, who's been on the show. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, Bob and I go back how many years now? Two or three years? Four. What year was it that the Rangers were in the World Series? Yeah, it was the first World or second World Series, right? That they were in. Anyway, we both have uh, perfect memories. They're just awful short. Uh, <laughs> so we went to this World Series to, uh, game together as a uh, mutual friend of Bob Bodine, and we just kind of hit it off. Of course, I'm not the only one that hits it off with Bob. Anybody who meets him knows that he's the right kind of guy to associate with. We started having breakfast maybe – you know, every couple of months, every three months or so, and uh, Bob does a lot of leadership coaching and uh, consulting with people through his ministry uh, crew and the organization there, and he just has a talent for not only asking good questions, but knowing the heart, and so we spent many hours talking. We actually had Bob come in and do a strength finders training with our team to help with our relationships here, and and, uh, his spirit is such that uh, not only does he encourage you through the process, uh, but he leaves the you know he leaves you with that idea that you're going to follow through and, and, and get it done. So, mm-hmm. so having Bob on here, he's come out with this new book uh, that we're going to talk about today. And I was like, Bob, you need you need to be on our on our podcast. And then he was telling me what he was doing with the book, and I'm like, our podcast lovers are going to love this book, uh-huh. right? So that's the background there. We're neighbors. How far, how long did it take you to get to the office? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. So, I mean, it's just too, it's too good. So that's the background there. Uh, hey, I love it. I love it. Well, Bob, just honored to have you here. And especially after reading the book and cre- yeah, this is, this is exactly 
right up our Ziegler Show audience listeners' uh, path right here. You know, I often, Bob, start off asking people about their personal Zig story. And I know you have one about how Zig impacted your life, but you also said you had a Tom Ziegler story. So I thought I'd start off asking what that is. Wow. Well, Tom has, has alluded to part of it already. Um, and that is, uh, we got to go to a World Series game together. And one of the fun things, because our mutual friend Bob O'Dean is on the board of directors for the Rangers, uh, he said, as soon as we got there, come with me. And he took us down to, uh, to the dugout, but just off the dugout is the owner's suite, and we walked in there, and there was Laura Bush. Oh wow! And uh, and the gracious woman, she got immediately got up to say hello, and and we got to meet her, and I got to take a picture of Tom and Laura, <laughs> and uh, it was just an unexpected pleasure. And uh, and then we go out on the field, and uh, this is you know maybe what an hour before game time. We go out in the field and see batting uh, practice, and we uh, go into the dugout and uh, have our pictures again taken sitting in the Rangers' dugout, and they won that night. Yes. Oh, wow. And I've told Bob many times that they were undefeated when you and I go together. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. But uh, that's the start of our relationship. Um, the thing that I've appreciated is our breakfast. And, uh, and just sharing our hearts with each other. We are both blessed men. My dad was not as famous as Tom's dad, but we come from good stock. Uh, Men who, uh, well, we've had dads who loved us, Mm -hmm. poured their hearts into us. Uh, We're our cheerleaders. And uh, and we have uh, shed tears together as we've just, recounted the blessings of being born uh, the, the, and both being proud sons, in my case, mm-hmm. proud son of Arnett T.D. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, hey. Yeah, that, was, it, that, it, was, that was a great uh, special day uh, going to that World Series game. I, I remember the conversation we had with Laura Bush, um, even though that was just a part of it. Uh, she had actually been on many of the same programs that Dad was on. Mm-hmm. And just to show, you know, to tell our listeners what a classy individual she is, she asked about uh, mom and how she was doing. I think this was soon after dad had passed away. And, oh. um, and so she, her concern was for the family. And so mm. that meant a lot that day as well. I mean, you see somebody like that, it's it's uh, just by circumstance of knowing, you know, as Bob would say, we got who. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's just uh, the things that really matter. Relationships matter more than anything there is in life. And uh, the recent Harvard study that's come out has proven that again. And so Bob and I have, have developed a really good relationship over the last few years. And it's just an honor to have you here, Bob. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here today. Well, so on that, relationships matter most, obviously, is at the heart of what we're talking about today. So, Bob, before we dive into some aspects, the, the what of your book, which, again, folks, is Great Leaders Ask Questions, a Fortune 100 list. Before we dive into the what, I'm going to take a tactic from Simon Sinek, who's going to be a guest on our show soon, and ask why. What caused you to make this gigantic effort to write a book? What was the, the impetus or the catalyst to bring it to life? Well, we have to go back to 2006. In 2006, I, uh, Sherry, my wife, loves to go to bookstores. And she goes all over the bookstore. I just go to the business leadership mm-hmm. section. Mm-hmm. And my usual practice is I'll pull off three, four, five books, sit down with them. Many times they all go back on the shelf. But that day I pulled off a book called Leading with Questions by Dr. Michael Marquardt. I only had to read a few pages of that book to say this one's a keeper. I went home and that book was a page turner for me. Mm. But it was also a paradigm shifter. Reading that book forever changed my leadership from being a leader who told his staff what to do to a leader who asked questions. 
it was it was a 180 degree shift. But reading that book, uh, something happened to me. I mean, I immediately saw, wow, why didn't I know this years and years earlier? The tremendous advantage of leading by asking rather than leading by telling. And so that started it. Uh, I began to do uh, PowerPoint presentations for our leadership development efforts in crew straight out of that book. And they were well-received. And so fast forward, when I launched my blog in 2012, I didn't want to just do another leadership blog. There's lots of great ones. So I asked myself a question, was there a niche of leadership that I might blog on? And as soon as I asked that question, Tom, I had the answer. And the answer was, well, it's something to do with leading with questions. And so uh, we launched that blog. And uh, it has been so well-received. It is followed by leaders in 170 nations. And uh, and twice a week, Monday and Thursday mornings, they get a new uh, post. And and that new post will give them uh, new questions that they can ask as leaders just to sharpen their leadership effectiveness. Well, folks, I want to point out too, as both uh, Tom and Bob have mentioned the word crew, that is their, uh, the shortened word for Campus Crusade for Christ, which I talked about at the beginning of the show that Bob has been on staff for for so long. Well, Bob, I mean, this is in some ways as opposed to telling, which of course is uh, the opposite of asking questions. It's, it's simple. But yeah, as I read the book, it, it's also radical. And I, as we go through here, I've got a couple testimonies of how I have been a grateful recipient of, of leading in that way. But as I read it, I, I looked at some arenas that I'm in right now and thought, I'm not doing that. I've got mm. to step back and intentionally go in. I have a meeting tomorrow and I'm going to go in after I have crafted a couple initiative, a couple agenda items through a question instead of a tell. I think I've gotten cool. into the habit. Yes. So thank you. I'm going to benefit. And, and folks in reading the book, I mean, every page had something so important. I, I wanted to pull everything out and, and dig into it more. But I want to tell you, you can, if you have to knock off the show now, just go to leadingwithquestions.com where Bob will let you download the book, the the entire thing for free. Uh, I think you put your email address in there like I did, but leadingwithquestions.com. Go there now. Don't don't stop. Don't collect your 200 bucks. Just go right there if you would and get the book and just read through it. It is a profound read. It's a quick read. You're going to read it and just nod your head and go, of course, that makes sense. It's just, he, he outlines it so well. But Bob, I mean, our culture and our humanity is programmed uh, uh, to tell, as you talk about, yeah. not to ask. I, I mean, you tell about yourself, your opinion, your ideas, your thoughts, even your fears, concerns, and doubts, and anxieties. And, and we tell because we're all so hungry, it seems, to be heard. Um, well, you know, in the book, I share that I'm a charter member of TA. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I, you know, I share that and then I ask, are you familiar with TA? And of course, most people have not heard of it. And so I say, well, have you heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, TA is Tellers Anonymous. And uh, I go to our meetings and I stand up and say, hello, my name is Bob and and I'm a teller (laughs) and I am addicted to telling, uh, Leading with questions does not come naturally to me. Telling comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as I you know, read the book, Leading with Questions, as I've studied in this area now for, for almost four years, I see the tremendous advantages. And so I also share that my blog and then writing this book, Great Leaders Ask Questions, a Fortune 100 list, this is all a part of Bob's recovery effort okay, got it. to move from being a teller to being an asker. Well, I mean, there are so few people who come at anything and they stand out. As I think about it, I know the people in my life who are askers and they are like an oasis in the, in, in the desert. I mean, you're talking about a key paradigm shift in personal relationship skills. Tom, what do you think? Absolutely. I was just grinning when, when, when Bob was sharing that story because uh, Dad, I heard him say a thousand times, "Telling ain't selling," mm. right? And wow. 
Wow. And selling is uncovering needs and, and finding out how you can solve a problem for them. I'm listening to a great podcast right now by uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Mm-hmm. And uh, his his uh, way of introducing himself to strangers on airplanes is he'll sit down next to him and he'll say, uh, what problems do you solve for God's children? Mm. Wow. And mm. instead of saying, what do you do for a living? He says, what problems do you solve for God's children? Mm. And his, you know, what a great question to start a dialogue. And then he, he follows up and he says, would our creator, could he ever be happier than when we're solving someone else's problem? Yeah. Wow. Right. And so when I think of great questions, uh, I think of we're uncovering needs. We're, we're helping people to identify opportunities to not only solve their own problems, but others as well. And so just that that linkage. And then Dad, of course, the funny one he said is he started off working in a grocery store as a teller, right? Mm-hmm. He, he told people to move while he swept. So, <laughs> and so the, the, the TA, the Teller's Anonymous, I love. <clears throat> and so whether we're at home leading our kids or at the office as a team member trying to get our teammates to join in or we we run an organization uh questions is the way to go about it yeah well you know when i first read the title great leaders ask questions i first went to you know yeah they're deep thinkers and they ask those big questions to direct the business you know to themselves and then came in of course and that is not what you were talking about and it's not just a business tactic again i feel like you're you're hitting at the heart of this is a key personal relationship skill? Because I assume that you haven't taken this only into uh, the boardroom, into the workplace, but probably into your home. Am I right? On the topic of personal relationship skills, uh, I want to talk about Pipedrive real quick. They are the CRM for small teams with big ambitions, and their focus is sales, which the heart of that, of course, as we teach here at Ziegler, is personal relationship skills. So I talked with the team at Pipedrive, found out, Tom and I, uh, Ziegler and I both did actually, found out that their target market uh, are businesses with 10 or less employees, uh, with folks that are using their product. They really exist to help you again with sales, the bottom line cash. I mean, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, sales can be challenging and usually in ways that they don't have to be. And that's where pipe drive comes in. I mean, the pain and frustration of tracking deals and following up with email and spreadsheets is gone with pipe drive. Uh, that's why entrepreneurs like it so much. It visualizes your sales pipeline, highlights opportunities and potential problems, ultimately ensuring important activities and conversations don't get dropped. So folks head over to pipe drive dot com slash Ziggler and you can start an exclusive 60 day free trial only available to listeners of the Ziggler show pipedrive dot com slash Ziggler. Kevin, hearing what you were saying, I was just thinking of the quote by Andrew Sobel that says that telling creates resistance, but asking creates relationships. And, uh, and that's really what happens when we begin to ask questions. And, and also, uh, you know, in the book, I share my favorite question. And, and in fact, uh, I encounter people who, who kind of what I hear from them is, you know, I wish I could learn to ask questions. Yeah. But I, in their imagination, they're imagining that they need to go get a Ph.D. in questionology. Uh, in other words, it's kind of like uh, becoming a brain surgeon. It would be nice, but I'm never going to be able to do that. And I share with them that I can teach them to lead with questions in 30 seconds. Tom, can I try this on you? Yes, let's try this. I want you to memorize my four favorite questions. Okay. I'm only going to share them once, but I want you to have them memorized. The first question is, what do you think? The second one is, what else? The third one is, what else? The fourth one is, what else? So now, Tom, do you think you have those four memorized? Let's see. I'm pretty good. Uh, What do you think? What else? What else? What else? Wow. You are good, Tom. Now, that may seem like, really? And and I say, yeah, really. Because, uh, well, Kevin, let me ask you, how do you feel? We'll, We'll put you and Tom's relationship on the spot here. But how do you feel 
when you and Tom are visiting about something and Tom says, Kevin, what do you think about whatever that issue is? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel like a million bucks. I am respected and my opinion is honored and it's uh, incredibly satisfying. Yeah. And if that's true for your relationship, how's that going to feel to people that you have relationship with, Kevin, that you ask them, what do they think about some issue? Hey, I'm thinking about not only those folks who I work with, but my seven children at home and wondering uh, where I've been on this tangent between tell and ask. And again, you're driving me towards some intentionality here. Yeah. And then the reason you could say, really, do you ask what, what, what else three times? Inflection in the voice is really important here. To say what else isn't going to get the response you want, but you say, wow, Tom, that's really good. What, what else? Wow, Tom, that is so good. Can I take notes? Keep talking. Because here's something we all do instinctively, unconsciously. When somebody asks us, what do we think? Our first answer is kind of going to be a safe answer. And, and uh, you know, if Tom asked me what I think and I share it, and he said, well, Bob, everyone knows that. Well, I'm glad I didn't say anything else. But when Tom says, wow, what else? Now he's starting to drill down. And, and he's making me feel real comfortable that I have something of value to add. And it's probably going to be the third response to what else where Tom is actually going to get the best I have because he's made me feel like he thinks I'm really smart. And therefore, he pulls out the best out of me. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, so that just had a flashback. I, I heard Dad speak hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And one of the top three times that I ever heard him speak, he was on the stage, and there was a gentleman named Brian Buffini. Brian is fantastic. He's a dynamic speaker. Yep. He's even a, I think, in my own opinion, he's even a better moderator. And so at this event, there was about 5,000 people, um, and he had Dad and Jim Rohn on the stage at the same time. So at the time, the two greatest thought leaders, you could say, in the personal development success area. And this is what he did. He would ask Jim a question. And then he would turn around and ask dad the same question after dad had heard that. And then he would say, wow. And then he would turn around to Jim and say, what else? Mm. And then the new question would come up and he would start with dad. And then Jim would answer it. And then he would go to dad and say, you know, tell me more. And so what I, what I heard in this conversation was these, you know, dad and Jim Rohn who had spent their lives Uh, you know, digging deep, instead of saying the answer that everybody got to hear all the time, that's what they started with. The other one took, you know, the, you know, the juice out of the question, the easy low hanging fruit. So the other one had to come in with the new stuff, the rich, deep soil. And then the third person who came back, you know, when they got to go back in again, it just got more and more rich. And so I saw that and, and I always wondered why was that such a great interview why was dad the best i ever saw him and it was because his brain was being stretched to the foundational level it was no longer the soundbite level it was the reason the why behind the why behind the why Mm. that everybody got to hear yeah well that 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 is that's that is powerful i'd like to i'd like to hear that uh that interview right there. You know, you said something, Bob, that made me think you talked about take, you just made the statement taking notes. And, um, I don't have the best, uh, I don't think of myself with the best memory. And so I take notes voraciously. So if ever I have a meeting, I, I take notes and I do it. I was actually taught that by a guy or, or, or mentored or exemplified uh, a guy, you know, I always have a notebook with me, always taking notes. But what I realized is how incredibly honoring it is to the other person when they're talking and I'm writing things down and, Conversely, I'm well aware of how many times even paid consulting times that I have where people are paying a good amount to give for me to uh, give my, my feedback and they're not writing down anything. I've gotten to the point now with paying clients to say, hey, you know, get something down. You need to be taking notes. But what an honoring thing uh, that is. Yes, we love it. I love it when Tom Ziegler says, Kevin. What do you think? <laughs> Tell me more. I love. Well, Bob, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys both for some forgiveness here because we're in this interview to hear you, Bob. 
but there's a point that you came to in the book that I don't know how to do it justice without reading a segment. So if you will bear with me just a moment, uh, you'll know this story well, but I want folks to hear it. And I want to, I want to, I want to then highlight a section and ask you a little bit more. So it's from page, it's right at the beginning, fairly at the beginning of the book, page 15 through 17. Uh, and it goes like this. It says, if you were interviewing for a job, would you like to have a game changer question to ask that may separate you from all the others being interviewed? And of course I'm thinking, yes, everybody's going to answer yes to that. So and you write Mark Golston in his best-selling book, just listen, shares this story and question. He says, my daughter preparing to interview with a senior manager at a wall street financial firm asked me what question could I ask that would help me stand out from the crowd. Later, she beeped me in the middle of a meeting and excitedly said, Dad, I asked him the question you suggested, and he reacted exactly like you said he would. He glanced up toward the ceiling for a moment and said, that's a great question and something I don't have an answer to, but should. He really connected with me after that. So here's what my daughter said to earn this interviewer's interest. When he asked her if she had a question, she responded with this. I'd like you to imagine it's been a year from now and you and your bosses are reviewing the people you've hired this year. And when it comes to this position, they say, get us 10 more like that one. That person was one of the best hires we've ever we've had in a long time. Can you tell me what that person did for her and to get such a rave review? I knew the question would work. I also told my daughter how she'd know it worked by watching the interviewer's eyes, because at the moment he glanced up and away, she'd know that uh, that the interviewer had moved from, and here's my point that I'm getting to here, transaction to transformation. Uh, holy moly. When I read that, Bob, I mean, we could, uh, if we could take them all, I mean, any communication, take a, a communication and move it from the transaction, the basic issue at hand to transformation. It hit me so profoundly when I read that last night. I just thought we got to drive this home. So, I mean, the, the definition, folks, of transaction is an instance of buying or selling something, a business deal, the action of conducting business or just a basic exchange or interaction between people. But now, as Bob writes about transformation is a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance, a metamorphosis, the, the, induct, uh, the induced or spontaneous change of one element into another. So I'm thinking as I read this, Bob, wouldn't uh, I love to move my next interaction between myself and you know my spouse, my kid, my prospect, my co- my my, uh, my partner, my coworker, uh, to from a mere transactional interaction to transformation, Bob? I, I couldn't uh, come up with a specific question other to say, oh my gosh, please tell me more about transformational interactions. Well, it's it's really interesting. The um, the story here, and, and I love Mark Goulston's book, Just Listen, highly recommend it. Um, but when we think of people going for a job interview, kind of our stereotype is the interviewer, the company, they will ask the questions, and the job uh, applicant, uh, the person going in to be interviewed, they're to give answers. And so you kind of go in with the thought that, uh, Man, what will distinguish me is that I've got to give them really good answers to their questions. And I don't want to devalue that, sure, you ought to have some good answers. But what's interesting is that later, the person who asks great questions during the interview actually separates themselves from the rest of the people that were interviewed. And and uh, and that great those great questions are not when would I start and how much will it pay yeah. those aren't the ones yeah. but it's thoughtful questions like this and so whenever somebody tells me they're going for a job interview I don't just share this story I also ask them what are the questions you have that you're ready to ask them understanding that you will actually separate yourself from the rest by the questions you ask. And kind of, I think in any inter, I mean, that's kind of a stereotype. We, we we hear about job interviews, and you know, what did they ask you, and what did you answer? Right. But to think that your questions will actually separate you, and it's it's also kind of interesting. Again, in this transaction to transformation, the person who asks a great question, we perceive them to be smarter wiser than the person who simply gives a great answer. And it's one of those things we don't necessarily consciously decide, but just later we have the feeling that the person who asked the great question is somehow wiser than the person who just gave the great answer. 
And, and I also think, you know, the transformation is that questions and listening, asking and listening create the relationship. That's what makes it transformational versus uh, simply giving information, simply telling. Well, that, you know, asking and listening. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, if we talk about this, this as a strategy, as a, as a personality trait we want to embrace, I see that. I, I have got to admit, I've seen some folks who have probably gotten a, a hint of this message before, and they know to ask, but they didn't really listen. Uh, I read something recently that talked about the devaluing of any conversation when you sit down at the table and put your cell phone out. Uh, and I've, boy, it's difficult for me, uh, to do that, but in learning that, yeah, I don't want to devalue that conversation. So to be authentic in the listening, well, you have another quote in the book and it says, when you want to persuade someone, when you, so I'll say influence as well, you'll also, you'll always get further by asking a question than by making a statement. So Bob, I mean, I started doing business consulting over a decade ago and I have to admit it wasn't a, an intentional strategy at first, but it became one. And I realized that the most benefit I gave my clients was again, asking those right questions. So they're paying 300 bucks an hour at the time. And on average, I realized, gosh, I'm only talking maybe half the time. And there was a little bit of time at the beginning where I felt a little guilty, like, gosh, they're paying for my counsel and great wisdom, right? And yet they, uh, they were talking so much, and I realized that that's my value. Yes. You know, in the book I share, you, you mentioned you're a business consultant. Tom does business consulting. I share four questions that one business consultant shared with me that he says uh, he makes a handsome six-figure income. And all he really does is ask these four questions. And so would you like to hear the four questions? Absolutely. <laughs> the first question is, what's going well? The second one is, what's not? Mm -hmm. The third one is, where are you stuck? And the fourth one is, where do you need to change? He shared that in asking these questions, he doesn't have to be a subject matter expert. Right. He could meet with the head of an airline company one day, the head of a brain uh, surgery practice the next day, the, the head of a computer company the third day. It would be the same four questions. But he also shared that that first question is really important. If he spends one day consulting, he will try to spend the first half of the day drilling down on, Tom, tell me what's going well. Now, he has some follow-up comments and questions like, well, Tom, where did you figure that out? That's brilliant. Tell me more about that. And, and what else is going well? And by the time they get to lunch, again, the person that has hired him to consult has the feeling that, that this consultant thinks I'm one of the wisest uh -huh. business leaders he's ever met with. So that when he then asks the question, well, What's not going well? A Tom, a Kevin may actually say, well, there are a couple things. But they feel safe sharing those. All right. Tom. I was just going to say there's something else there. And, and uh, the listeners know that I'm a nerd and I love research and I, and I really get into this. But what that's, that first question is really doing from a brain level perspective is it is creating optimism and hope. When we talk about what's going well, then we're in a frame of mind that unleashes creativity. Mm. Okay? And so when you bring a consultant in, I mean, most companies aren't uh, advanced and sophisticated enough in their thinking to bring consultants in because they're doing so great, they know that they can do even better. Most companies bring consultants in because there's an obstacle or a challenge that they're stuck on and they know a consultant can help them get through it. So when you walk into a consulting environment, a lot of times the leadership who sets the tone for the organization is already kind of in a hopeless mindset. They're frustrated. Yeah. They're angry. And so the brain literally works this way. When we are angry or frustrated or discouraged because what we've been doing doesn't work anymore, then our brain is literally in what we call fight or flight mode. Right. We say, I'm going to keep doing that harder and harder and harder. Well, that doesn't work. Or, you know what, maybe we just need to get rid of that whole division. We should just get out of there. And it's because 
from a from a mental perspective, we only see two options: do do more of what we were doing or give up. When optimism comes in, then all of a sudden our creativity is unleashed, and now we can see tons of possibilities. So by moving that person mm. into that optimistic yeah. category, then the creativity comes, and then the ultimate role of a great consultant is to take all those ideas and put them into a system or help the organization develop a new set of processes and systems. And so the sequence I just shared is what I call one of the sequences to success, optimism, creativity, and systems. And you got to do it in that order. So that's great. That that question actually unleashes and and creates the mindset to where you can go to the next level. If you started with what's wrong, they can't think of anything. Tom, that's so cool. I, I knew these four questions worked, but wow, Tom, I, I didn't understand until you just shared why they are so powerful. And, uh, you know, another thought, we were talking consultant there, mm-hmm. but even as leaders, just with our staff, take a consultant, they're not even in the room. So many times we start a meeting and we immediately go to the problem. And, uh, what a great thing to sit down with your staff and before you jump at the problem, say, hey, let's just recount here, what are the things going well for us? And uh, and having taken time to there to celebrate, to high five, to, uh, to express appreciation for the great job they're doing, and then in that context, say, you know, there's a couple things we need to work on. And uh, so what are the things not going well? And where are we stuck? How, what do we need to do to change? As leaders, we so often, though, I don't have time to talk about what's going well. We want to drill in, not knowing that uh, we may be, uh, time-wise, it, it may be penny-wise, but we're being dollar-foolish in that approach. Hey, uh, guilty as charged. I, I'm sitting here, I've I, I mentioned a meeting I had tomorrow. My partner is very good at doing that. And I'm usually the one sitting there going, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Let's get to the thing that we need to fix so we can be better, which, you know, good, good intent there. But I hear you loud and clear. I want to go back to something else you said, Bob, talking about that idea that as coaches, consultants, leaders, but I do want to specifically speak to those out there because I know we have a lot in our audience who are in coaching and consulting and presentation uh, and leadership roles that uh, feel like they have to be the subject matter expert. And I have been on the receiving end of that as well, paying somebody for their counsel, and yet they talked so much and kept going in and wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise to steer it in the direction that it needed to go. But I, I love that. What a breath of fresh air as that paid coach, consultant, leader, that we do not have to be the subject matter experts because there's no way that we'll know as much as the person who is in that business if we can simply bring out their brilliance um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's hitting me hard, but yeah, going to what you guys are talking about now, leading with what is going well to help foster that the, again, we're, folks, we are, I hope you're hearing that we're talking about some key strategies that you can implement now, but you're going to have to be intentional in doing that. I'm going to draw you again back to, uh, go get Bob's book. Go back to his, uh, go back to his website, get that book and go through it so that he can give you the tips to implement this well, but it's not going to be something that you're going to do because we're all in. I mean, you're talking about Bob starting a new significant habit. Yes. It, uh, but here's what I want our listeners to grasp. Yep. This is low hanging fruit. It really is as easy as starting with what do you think? What else? What else? What else? Um, Kevin, you said that you read the book and you have a meeting tomorrow and you were taking time to, to kind of write out three, four questions that you hope to be able to ask in the meeting. Mm-hmm. So you are, there's a little bit of intentionality, mm-hmm. but you didn't say, hey, you're now signed up to take some class at, at a college and when you get done with that, right. maybe you'll be able to ask some questions. Right, right. The, the fact is, a little intentionality will take you a long ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in putting this book together, my blog has been out there for almost four years, posting twice uh, a week. And uh, there's now almost 400 blog posts. When I put this book together, I went back and reread 
every one of the posts, mm-hmm. and many of them are guest posts. I, I've actually become more of a curator of great content on leading with questions than an originator. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing from some incredible leaders who ask questions. But I pulled out a list of the top 100. And then when I put the book together, I didn't just make a list of 100 questions. There would be value in that. But Kevin and uh, Tom, as you've read it, you see that there's kind of many stories, many contexts that kind of, here's the question, but here's just a little bit of context on why that's a great question. And so uh, there's a hundred questions, over a hundred questions in the book. And I think anybody who reads it is going to immediately say, oh, I want to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Or they'll think about a meeting there that's coming up and they'll say, oh, what questions from the book could I use? And it'll be very quick to, to uh, write out several that will be appropriate for that next meeting. Hey, in your book, uh, I was impacted. You made a li- at some point in it, and I didn't actually note down what page it was, but you had a list. I think that that was together that I just want folks to hear because it's so it's so powerful. We love social proof and, and testimony from big leaders. So here, I'm going to read six real quick. The greatest compliment that was ever paid me was when one asked me what I thought and attended to my answer. Listen, that's Henry David Thoreau. Next, from Dale Carnegie, an effective leader will ask questions instead of giving direct orders. This is Lou Holtz. I never learn anything talking. I only learn when I ask questions. Charles, is it Steinmetz, I think? No man really becomes a fool until he stops asking questions. King Solomon, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in sharing his own opinions. And I know we all have some folks that we would think fit in that category, but my gosh, we don't want to be that one. Malcolm mm-hmm. Forbes says, one who never asks either knows everything or nothing. I mean, folks, listen, hit rewind, listen to those again. Those are, I, I love your curating, as you mentioned uh, in this. You do a lot in the book that's just so profound. And it made me think, Bob, I mean, asking questions I don't know that that's a lost art as, as much as for so many people, and, and you can testify, it's an undiscovered art. We were never taught this. We were never exemplified this. Uh, it made me think about there's a movie that my kids got me for Christmas. They know I like it. Uh, it's with Jim Carrey called Yes Man, where he's such a naysayer. He says no to every opportunity. He doesn't want to be bothered. He ends up alone, isolated, going nowhere, and his life changes in dramatic fashion. I mean, a complete life overhaul. It's a great analogy of this when he just begins to say yes to everything. Of course, it's exaggerated, but I thought with this, what a great challenge for us to give folks to say for the next, what, week, don't Tell, stop yourself and ask. Yes, Bob? Well, I also share in the book about the greatest leader who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. And of course, that would be Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we study Jesus' communication style, mm-hmm. we see that he was, uh, we see that Jesus did two things exceedingly well. He told great stories yep. and he asked great questions. And until this was pointed out to me, I didn't realize Jesus in the four Gospels actually asked over 150 questions. Wow. Now, I don't know about you all. I ask a lot of questions because I don't know the answers. Jesus never asked a question because he didn't know the answer. But he asked questions because he knew that was a superior way to engage people. And so uh, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, just understanding, here's one of the greatest communicators in all of history. What could we learn about communication by just observing how he communicated? You would quickly see the value of asking great questions. And yet many of them were simple questions. Again, they weren't deep questions, but simple questions that help people discover for themselves the answers. Okay, well, I just wrote that down. So Jesus asked questions, and I I wrote that 150, I'm going to use that, 150 questions in the Gospels, and he asked questions instead of just telling because, and here's what I'm going to highlight, he knew it was a superior way to communicate. I may even title the show something along those lines. That makes me want to rise to it. It makes me feel a little uh, ashamed if I'm not using this superior way 
to communicate. I mean, Bob, as I, as I read too, and I'll, I'll, I know we're going long here. We could keep going forever, but folks, main thing, go get the book. So, but one, I got one more, one more question I want to kind of hit on. Um, Tom, yeah, yeah, you got something. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just realized something. Uh, yeah. The, the series that I'm doing now, the book that I'm writing and the new uh, Ziegler webinar training series that we have called live to win seven weeks to balance success. The whole thing got built off of a question. I was in Australia and somebody asked the question, Tom, what is the fastest way to success? Yeah. And so it's amazing how a question, and now I'm researching the book and I read about Benjamin Franklin and everybody knows about old Ben, right? I mean, he did pretty well. He's famous. And one of the things that I discovered in his autobiography, when he was 20 years old, he decided that he wanted to become uh, a much fuller, richer uh, human being. And so he started evaluating his character qualities and said, what qualities do I have that aren't where they could be? And he then landed on 13 virtues. Mm. And he decided that for four weeks at a time, he was going to focus on one virtue. So four weeks times 13 virtues, that's one year. And he did that for the rest of his life. So every four-week period, he worked on a virtue. And he had this chart. And this is where the question thing is so awesome. He had this chart. And let's just say at the top of the chart, the virtue he was working on was temperance. And then down the left-hand column, it had the other 12 virtues there. And then he had a cross from left to right. He had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And every night he would sit down and he would ask himself this question. Did I go through the day living this way? And mm. he would put a check mark against any of the virtues that he fell short on. And so just like we know the, the most powerful conversation we can ever have is self-talk, maybe the most powerful thing we can say in that conversation are the questions we ask ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You keep bringing that, that up. We need to get Ben Franklin on the show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we do need to figure out some way to deliver those. Ver- I, I'm, I'm going to come back to that one. Uh, you know, you in, in going back to telling, okay, we're, we're, we're comparing telling, uh, versus questions and I'm going to, I'll wrap us up on this, but you know, telling it made me think, Bob, you know, it requires, so if I'm in front and I am telling it requires acceptance, by the recipient, their submission even to a point. And yet the questions, as you talked about, how do I feel? And Tom asked me, it offers inclusion and, and collaboration and respect and then transformation. And it reminded me, going back to one of my favorite books, Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I think you even cite in the book, in your book too, that it's not a book necessarily. I mean, we can take it for personal and career tips, but it's about personal, relational transformation that benefits the recipient and benefits us and your book i see it's just significantly profound as i said i'm going to go tomorrow to with my business partner and our staff meeting and we're going to take this and it's going to be a very different meeting than we've had before as i thank you significantly and my last question i'm going to put you on the spot was just to ask what is your next immediate goal with this book and this message well, thank you for asking, Kevin. Um, you know, the book is free. Subscribing to my blog is free. The only payment that I'm looking for is helping leaders increase their leadership effectiveness times 10. And I really believe that's true. For leaders who've been leading by telling, you might say they are benevolent dictators benevolent micromanagers, but they tell their staff how to do everything. Mm -hmm. When they make that paradigm shift to leading by asking, I truly believe they will increase their effectiveness times 10. I have uh, no intention of monetizing my blog or monetizing this book. It is out there to help leaders around the globe increase their leadership effectiveness. What I know, and this ties back to Zig, and it's a motivation for me, help enough other people get what they want 
and you'll have everything you need. And so my goal is to serve people throughout the world, to serve leaders. And as a result, I know that, uh, in a sense, my uh, uh, circle of friends is going to continue to increase. Uh, My circle of people that we could call on to come coach crew leaders will continue to increase. And uh, everything that I have need of will increase in abundance. But my heart here is simply to serve, to help you become a more effective leader. Well, that is a great way to end this. And I said that was my last question. And you know what, Bob? You said something in there that I just can't leave alone. So if you will bear with me for just one moment, can I ask one more question? Please. All right. You mentioned as those leaders, those folks who are used to getting up front and telling their folks – Uh, And now we're going to change this. I mean, what hit me, though, is there is a reality here. This is not going to be easy for some folks because you're talking about a necessity for humility in in some degree. Have you found – so I'm going to ask the question. Have you found that with this message there are some people where this is a struggle because it takes them off of that uh, pedestal? Uh, of being all wise and, and the, the, the ultimate leader and is putting them down on the level with everyone else because to ask a question and really listen and care takes some humility. So I'm going to ask, have you run into that? Um, Kevin, I mean, a- absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think it does take um, <laughs> sitting down with yourself. If you've been a leader who, who uh, leads by telling uh, and, and you may have a great heart. You may, in fact, be the benevolent dictator. Nothing wrong with your heart. You love your people. You care about them. You want them to succeed. But your paradigm has been, I will tell them how to succeed. Mm. And uh, another thing that I share, and I'm going to answer your, your question, Kevin, but it'll, it's in the book, but it goes uh, around the barn to get to this point. Uh Kevin, if I didn't know how to swim, is there a book you could recommend that if I just read that book, I could then call myself a swimmer? No, sir. No, sir. If I want to become a swimmer, what do I need to do? Get out in the water. Yeah, I got to get wet. And on day one, lesson one, I am not going to glide across the pool like Michael Phelps. But that's okay. I'm in the water. And so if you're a leader who's never led with questions... I always say, hey, you've already memorized my favorite four. Tom, do you still have those favorite four memorized? Repeat them for me. <laughs> I got the last three. What else? What, what else? else? What, what do else? you think? What do you think? What else? What else? What else? And, and for that leader, my suggestion is just begin. And, and don't worry that you can't, you know, swimming, that you can't glide across the pool or that you can't ask questions, perhaps like Bob can, on day one. But pat yourself on the back that you went to a staff meeting, here was an issue, you looked at your staff and you just said, hey, what do you all think is, uh, might be the solution here or might help us improve? And as they begin to answer, what else? What else? And know that, okay, I had swimming lesson one, I had asking, leading with questions, lesson one, I'm in the water, and, uh, and then continue down that path. Uh, in other words, you don't have to move on day one to becoming Michael Phelps in swimming. Right. You couldn't. On day one, you don't have to become Tom Ziegler in asking questions. Just start down the path. Start down the path. Ask, ask, ask. Folks, right now I'm going to ask you to go to leadingwithquestions.com. Upper right-hand corner, put your email address in there. You will get the entire book. You can read it in a, in a good sit-down. And let's take our next interactions captive and ask. And this, uh, you know, Tom, going back to Tom's recent platform that he's on, the fastest way to success that he was asking, his answer was replace a bad habit with a good habit. I don't know if there's anyone we can do that's going to eclipse this one right now. Stop telling and start asking. Bob, thank you so much for uh, driving 10 minutes over to the Ziegler office to uh, sit with Tom and give us this. I have a handful of people that right now, I, get, I want to get this thing posted. 
because uh, I want them to listen to it. I, uh, matter of fact, I, my dad, I'm going to call him out because he'll be listening to this. I bet he'll take this to his uh, mastery group, uh, mastermind group, um, because this is, this is just that powerful. Thank you immensely. Tom, thank you for bringing the rock stars onto our show and making it what it is today. Thank you, gentlemen, both. What, my, my pleasure. Uh, thank you, folks, for tuning in. We'll talk to you in the next Ziggler Show. Thank you.